you for your for looking into the technical specs of this microphone that I purchased. <laughs> you know, I, I I've been uh, I've I've been thinking about saying something for about 20 episodes and, uh, <laughs> but i didn't you know i don't want to be the guy who's fussy about tech you know i mean i am the guy who's fussy about tech but i wanted to pretend for an hour a week that i'm not that guy and allow my friend to to uh rocket skoog style to discover things on my own <laughs> or i think well you, you 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 give the show a little listen before you post it right um a, what, a, a glancing what I have to do is, um, well, I edit in the the little musical interludes, and I also do. I have to do all this EQ work to your voice to, um, because it's overloading the mic and it's there's too much bass. So I'm sort of carving out little, yeah, little bits of it. So that takes about fifteen minutes. I I had not listened to the show, <laughs> really. So I was unaware of of the the poor audio that I was bringing to the table. Andrew Chalfin was complaining about it on Twitter yesterday. Did you see that? Uh, no, I haven't looked at Twitter yet. No, he said, he said Ed is always louder than John. Uh, but that's going to well, change now. now. I'm it's, changing, it's changing presently. Yeah, I'm In fact, s- this conversation would be nonsense to somebody who has not listened to the show the previous 58, 59 episodes. Is there, is there going to be any such person? <laughs> sure sure there is sure. there's such a thing as new listeners yeah all <laughs> well, the time there's new listeners there's unicorns informed voters <laughs> uh, yeah remember those I'm not one especially on local issues when I go to vote, I don't go anywhere to vote anymore. I used to sit at the, sit at my desk and fill in my electronic, my or my uh, mail-in ballot. Oh, really? And uh, I uh, have to admit to near total ignorance about most of the uh, the local races. Well, like I think I know them, like the ones that are on the news, I know about. Yeah, but there's well, always some some down, you know. Beneath the fold elections going on. <laughs> where where do you uh, acquire this this news you speak of? Oh, for local matters like uh, like a it, school board or a city yeah. council. Mostly through the stranger. Yeah. You know the print edition of the stranger or its online uh, puppy uh, slog. <laughs> Puppy, uh, which which uh, uh, which I think generates more more revenue and is is really the main point of the publication now. Uh, that's probably my main source of local news. I look at the Seattle Times, although it's it's kind of a, a business focused, right wing edged, in its uh, uh, when it has the chance to be. So uh, it's always a good time to be right wing. I like a little a little hand bill in my in, in my door or, yeah. or delivered in person by a veteran. <laughs> it's persuasive. I only want that if um if it's covered with uh, dining options, local dining options for me to enjoy. Yeah. Although like we've gotten we've gotten to know a couple local politicians um 
who come to our door during every election, local Democrats, and they ask if they can put those uh, signs in our yard. Because along our street, Mm. um, we have an unusual thing. Mostly when you're driving along our street, you either see somebody's front yard or you see woods. Uh, But we have have an acre with nothing on it. It's essentially a meadow, and I just mow the edges of the meadow. And so there's this expanse of grass where political signs can be can be placed and um we just tell them to go ahead and do it even though i have to move them when i cut the grass but anyway um one of them uh one of them this guy jason uh realized that i was a musician and for a while i was into modular synthesizers which for Mm -hmm. the uninitiated are very nerdy collections of like you know you can bolt together your own synthesizer that makes all kinds of crazy sounds and spend your time uh spend your time designing sound instead of writing music yes. and i was uh, obsessed with this for a time and um he he and i got talking and he discovered that i did this and he said um he said i am i have a lot of modular synthesizer equipment and we i actually got together with my local representative and had a with a couple other guys and had a nerd synthesizer party where we sat around bleeping and blooping <laughs> Um, and he won the election as well because of it yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the vo- voters love modular synthesis they do they do yeah. do you ever put up uh fake political signs no that's a category of um ende- of, of creative endeavor i have not thought to do <laughs> it seems it seems like it would be a natural uh next step and if you have that sort of frontage um yeah. And uh, a laminating machine or some Crayolas and some paper it could yeah, could create a whole narrative over the course of an election season. <laughs> One could. That's, the, that's what the politicians are doing. Why shouldn't mm-hmm. I? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is a guy in town. God, what's his name? It's John something. I can't remember his last name. But he, um, he's a conceptual artist. And he does ironic bits of public sculpture that are not immediately recognizable as sculpture. For instance, uh, on an abandoned storefront, <laughs> he hung a he hung a sign, an elaborately designed, very professional looking sign that says Ithaca Museum of Pornography, and it stayed there for a really long time. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing he did was there's a you know in a in the kind of strip uh shopping area of town there was an empty lot for a long time that was just full of rubble they had demolished an eckerd or something and you know had not yet put up the next um box of garbage and so he went in there and you know those big those big plywood signs that have like the picture of the building that's going to be yeah, built sure, there and sure. you know they're s- supported by these like f- you know 4 by 4 pressure treated lumber boards and he built one of those and put it in the lot, a giant sign that said, Future Site of Ithaca's Hooters. And it, was like, it's, it lasted about a month, and people were writing letters to the editor. We must not have this trash in our community. It was awesome. So he also is, has slowly been making uh, a miniature golf course in his, uh, in his squatter's studio behind the supermarket. Have you... Uh gone out on the links i haven't no i don't know him well enough to to wangle an invitation this is all coming through a mutual friend who who knows him but um but uh it's a it's a sex themed miniature it's a pornographic miniature golf course an idea whose time has come yeah 
Yeah. So why have you have you made fake political signs? Um, only for my own campaign when I ran for student body president. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a whole fake candidacy that turned out to be uh, uh, actionable, and I actually had to serve a yeah. term. <laughs> student body president as a result <laughs> my favorite part was probably making signs we had a lot yeah. of good signs <laughs> banners it's the best part of any any political position yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm getting glasses have, oh yeah have you never had them before no the lenses are being ground as we speak <laughs> by the elves of Costco <laughs> which is a, a, the next Guided by Voices album. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and uh, and then they should be ready for, for to be picked up on Wednesday, and I will wear them ever after. What style of glasses have, have you bought? Cheap. <laughs> Cheap. Because I figure that the, the this first set will get broken soon. <laughs> yeah. Between my not being used to glasses... And uh, having a two-year-old, yeah, and my active lifestyle. <laughs> Combine those with my love of downhill racing. You know, I and jousts. I didn't, I didn't used to understand the difficulty people have interfacing with their constellation of of personal possessions. You know, their wallet, their keys, their phone. Their eyeglasses, hats, umbrellas, yeah. coats, oh, so sweaters, much stuff. gold watch and chain, um, gold watch Scabber. and chain. Yeah, uh, and I've I have tinfoil hat. A long time I didn't I didn't really get it. I didn't really get it, but I've ha- I now have great compassion for people who whose whose relationship to these items is complicated. It, it's for some people, it's an important relationship. And one that, that requires constant maintenance and is, is very difficult. Yeah. My friend LaGene, for example, one of the dearest people on earth. I don't know. I don't think she listens to it, but I'll say that anyway. LaGene <laughs> Rao. LaGene Keen. Yeah. Uh, been married for 20 years. Refer to her by her last name. How, how, how is her first name spelled? R-A-U. Oh, LaGene. Yeah, LaGene. But you met her first last name. The first <laughs> last name that she had. <laughs> prior prior to her betrothal. <laughs> uh Lejeune is uh L A J E A N. L A J Lejeune. Lejeune. That's that's unusual. I suppose so. It's it's one of those things where if you grew up with it, it doesn't strike you as unusual, but to, to the outside world, that's an unusual name. Lejeune? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's a nice name. Lejeune and Darlene, her sister. Her little sister, good. Well, Jean and Darlene, the Rao, the Rao sisters. They had to who, stop uh, having kids, or they'd start a, being called graphene and. From a, a a farm outside of Wichita, yeah, uh, where they grew up, a high tech farm, really, an advanced, uh, such well, a model farm, is it a, a that, server farm. <laughs> it is. It serves wheat. <laughs> When Boris Yeltsin visited the United States of America, yeah, uh, you remember old Boris? I do, I do. What a different Russia! Um, <laughs> uh, 
when, when Yeltsin visited the United States in, you know, uh, let's say 93, 94, I don't know when, when, when he was ousted. I think yeah. it was, um, it, I think he hung on until 98 or so, right? So uh, when Yeltsin visited the United States, uh, he visited and had dinner at the Rao farm. Uh, they, they wanted really? to show him. America wanted to show Boris Yeltsin <laughs> the Rouse farm to impress him, and he was impressed. Wow. Uh, so anyway, so they, they grew, up, grew up on the farm and are you know, successful. Non-farm people now, I don't, I think they've got, I think one of the, one or two of the brothers stayed back and, and continuing the farm. So Lejean, um has a lot of trouble with her keys, particularly. Yeah. All her, all the time I've known her, which is which is twenty years, um, twenty five years, uh, has not made, not figured out a strategy at this point of how to know where her keys are at any time. Yeah. It's a life, a rich, rich life, of, of, key trouble. <laughs> So, so her life is a key pity party. <laughs> Can't keep um, track of her keys. Loves bacon. Good, good. Good conversation in books. Doesn't know where keys are right now. No, couldn't tell you. See, it, again, it seems to, it should be simple to me. Like I always establish a, um, I always establish a. I have a basket. And in the basket goes um, wallet. Well, when I, you know, my little money clip, my binder clip of credit cards, uh, phone, keys, uh, pen, just the things that when I leave the house or even walk to another part of the house, I might put them in my pocket if I'm going to need them. So they're either in my pocket or they're in the basket. Those are the places. There's no other place for my keys to go other than those two places. So, and that's a good strategy for me. They're just in, they're always in the pocket of my pants. Yeah, and maybe those pants are sort of bunched up and thrown in the corner ah. of the bedroom, or or moving towards the laundry slowly. Yeah, but that's where they are. Yeah, but you don't you don't um you don't anticipate pant loss when you're planning to keep your keys someplace someplace that you know. This is all. Been leading up to an ad for pant loss. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't think she would mind if I told you this. Rian had an ex- extraordinary experience the other day. Do you want? Do you want to hear about it? Uh, I do. Is it troubling? It's troubling. It's very troubling. Um, her father has been ill and uh he's doing all right. He he had but he had had to have surgery the other day. And um Rain went out to be with him and the surgery was a success and Good. the doctors are pleased with his progress, but it was going to take a bit of time for him to recover. So they gave him a bunch of oxycontin and they sent him home. So this and the, in contrast, you know, when Rain's mother was dying a couple of months ago, she, they they were reluctant to give her palliative pain medication because they did not believe that Rian was not a drug addict, you know, who was just, you know, trying to get the drugs for herself. Meanwhile, 
they're just loading loading her father up with oxy so so needless to say they get home and he's just he's gooned on the stuff because it doesn't merely make your pain go away it makes your it makes your personality go away and replaces it with another one um and he was ha- really having trouble getting around he was you know he was sort of like a drunk and um he fell and he's a strong man but um the 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 painkillers had just sort of made his body a, into a noodle and he could he couldn't get up and Rian couldn't get him up he's a big guy um and they tried all kinds of things getting him up off the floor and and finally he said she said i i got to i got to call the fire department or something and she's like he said no 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 just go to so and so's like like deb and don's place which is these neighbors now this is out in this is out in like uh the american libertarian wasteland right it's you know it's just there's the neighbors are all far away you can't walk to anything and everyone's got a little alarmed compound um in the middle of nowhere and so rian goes to walk to the neighbor's house to get them to help pick up her father and she's approaching the neighbor's place and a couple of dogs come come out from behind the house and they're running towards her and rian of course a lover of dogs says hey puppies hey puppies and instead of stopping uh they attacked her and they they began to bite her Oh my God! Piercing her flesh—it's terrible. <laughs> it's awful. What a nightmare. And so um, she's screaming. The dogs ran away when she started screaming. The neighbors came out, and she explained what they needed. And they were—you know—turns out the 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 woman is a nurse, and so tried to like minister to the wounds. <laughs> and Rain was like, "Just get away from me! Get, I don't want you to touch me." They they did get help get her father up, but she ended up. You know, she just stuck some cloths on him or something. I don't know what she did. And then that night realized there were even more bites than she thought. She ended up going to the hospital and getting stitches. You have to, you have to treat. You have to go to the hospital. Yeah, she went to the hospital. Um, but it was like... You got a blood <laughs> infection. It was it, it's th- this whole... You know, she's just... This place where you're, you go to ask your neighbors for help and they're... Asshole the dogs, at you. dogs chomp your leg and your arm? What is up with people? What is wrong with people? And dogs. Well, I know what's wrong with dogs. People is what's wrong with dogs. Yeah. That is uh, that is a, a, a nightmare. It, 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 is, it was a nightmare indeed. Yeah. And in fact, it has the qual- that quality of a nightmare where you, wanna, you have to do thing X, but it's impossible. And you're struggling yeah. to do a simple thing that ought There's to be a distance simple. to cover. Yeah, and then you have to, in order to, to solve that problem, you have to go solve another problem. But before you solve that problem, you have to solve another problem, and then you're being attacked by dogs. Yeah, the big dogs. I don't know. I don't know. She. she um, Must have been. Oh no, they're Rottweilers. They were Rott. Of course, oh, they're Rottweilers. Geez, terrifying. The hound of choice for the paranoid. <laughs> oh. Oh well, I'm so sorry that happened. Well, she's all right, and I think her father's going to be all right too, um, at least for the time being. But, um, but uh, I, I think I don't know. I'm mad at America today. Yeah, yeah. I don't think America exists. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't think we live in a country. 
Wh- what do we live in the in? traditional sense? In the traditional sense of country, or or the general ideas of what America uh, is supposed to mean. After the, the 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 Republican, largely Republican, and certainly not all Republican, but the sort of the party response to the release of of Bo Bergdahl, the sergeant over in Afghanistan. Yeah has turned my stomach more than any political event in my life. Okay, I have to confess that you I have been know, following I have it. no idea what this is. So what Good. Don't 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 look into it. Really? You're not going to There've been me? there've been a lot of poisonous events in my in, in, in my my life politically, some that I've seen. Bo uh, Bergdahl, some from afar, afar. Like even like the even the Bush, even when when Bush stole the election in 2000. Um, at least that was f- on from their perspective they were getting something from it right yeah the presidency right um, like the lies of of the war I mean Powell lying at the United Nations was pretty bad yeah well that's that's yeah but um, uh, but still there was there's still something earnest about it you know like like they were still lying because they believed they were trying to do something that was terrible, but that they believed it. They're like they got something out of their lives. Yeah. With the so the the prisoner release exchange, five uh, Guantanamo detainees. It's the weird phrase. Yeah. That allows us to not say anything. Guantanamo detainees. Right. Um, for the one U.S. prisoner of war in Afghanistan. Um, Set off this, this, these just horrible things that a lot of senators, representatives, governors, you know, talking heads said um, that was was just awful um, about. It was all Obama hate. I mean, yeah. it's, it's all pure Obama hate. So Obama arranges to get our one prisoner of war out of Afghanistan at the conclusion of the war. Yeah, this guy's been in captivity for five years. He's from uh, Haley, Idaho, roughly the same age as a, a couple of former students, a couple of Idlewild students who, who knew him, knew the family. Yeah, I'm looking at him uh, now. Um, and maybe not the typical soldier, maybe a little, a little bit of a weirdo, but still a soldier. They're all weirdos. Um, the dad happens to have a have, have a beard. Um, you know, they're, they're, they have some character. Yeah. Um, uh, they stand out and they, but they, they didn't have to say anything. And they were just attacked. The family's been attacked. The, the guy's been attacked. There's some, there that maybe he was a deserter. Maybe he said something un- unfortunate. Um, I, I don't even, I don't even understand what the, what the, the hate was, but it's just this great, this is like, wait a minute. You mean that people like, are, people are hating, like kicking a cat. Hating yeah. our soldier who was hating captured? the soldier, hating the soldier and hating his parents. What the who hell? Have been suffering while he's been in a Taliban prisoner for five years. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't I'm, either. I'm I'm reading I'm reading the I'm reading the uh, um, Wikipedia page um, about him, but it looks like they just had a somewhat unusual unusual family that he. Uh, it says yeah. he studied and practiced fencing and martial arts before switching to ballet. 
It's he never a ballet. rode a car. He rode his yeah. bicycle everywhere. Spent time in a Buddhist monastery. Yeah, read some books. Yeah. yeah. Well, that probably served him well when he had to live in a fucking Taliban prison. Yeah, he and his parents days. have been through um, a nightmare that 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 accelerated when he was released back that's, home. That's just crazy. So he is. Home, he's so home it makes now. me feel like there there is no uh, there is no America, and we do not live in a country. Does does um so are, are people angry at Obama for for arranging to free him? Yes. What's the, what's the logic? They hate Obama. Anything he does, <laughs> anything yeah. he does, especially something that might make him look good, needs to be. I think the political operatives say, okay, that we need to go on 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 the attack. If there's something that might make Obama look good, like yeah. obtaining the release of a POW, yeah, um, killing Osama bin Laden, right. Then the attack. Then they have to become as they have to find something to make it to turn it into a negative. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a cold political calculation. What they're getting out of it, I suppose, is you know a chance to run down Obama and Kerry and Clinton and marginally improve their chances of getting the White House back. With with what candidate exactly are they going to accomplish this? Uh, they don't have one. This feat. They don't have. I don't know. Jeb Bush might be able to win. He probably can't win the primaries. Um, yeah, I don't know. So you think he can't uh, win the primaries, but he could beat Hillary? Yeah, that's what the polls say. Yeah. Why wouldn't he uh, win the primaries? Uh, because because the, the reasons why you know some people in the middle might vote for him. Um, he has a pleasant demeanor. He doesn't seem crazy. Um, he, uh, you know, he, he does, he does he, he's, 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 he's very intelligent. Yeah. Um, he's not, uh, he's, I won't, I won't vote for him, but I'm not disgusted by him the way I'm disgusted by most of his colleagues. Right. Um, but those are the things that would make him unacceptable to the primary voters. Oh, I see. Uh, he's, 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 he's a little squishy on immigration. He's a little squishy on taxes, a little squishy on, on this and that. You know, he has yeah. a heart. So they won't let him be, you know, go through. Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, it's just really, really gross, I think. Um, rhetoric. In, in, in the introduction to Auden's collected poems, yeah, um, which I, I think is a, is a, a really significant little one-page document about about being a poet and writing poetry. I think applies to a lot of reflection. Um, and in his collected poems, he, he says, you know, I'm taking I'm taking some poems out of here that were very popular, particularly. Um, one of his most famous poems, um, what is it, September something, 1939. You know? Yeah. Um, says, you know, it, in, in, my, in my youth and middle age, I, I uh, um, uh, sometimes chose to say something that was rhetorically effective, but that I did, I did not believe. 
and you know, and, and now he's compiling these at sixty or sixty-five. It's like I, 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 I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to say something merely because it's rhetorically effective. Um, and um, a lot of a lot of politics on on, on all sides I have to be fair to say, but I notice it more when it's the other side um, is mere rhetorical effectiveness without any um, any belief behind it. Behind yeah, any, well, any passion except for a passion for rhetorical effectiveness. I think that that the current, I mean, that's it's that's a time honored, uh, a time honored uh, political bludgeon. I think, but um, I think this the current round of it started with the um, they got their first taste of it with the uh, Clinton impeachment, and uh, it got uh, more and more intense up through the you know the. Bush election and then the second Bush election it's I just you know after this after the swift boat thing uh my my head kind of exploded yeah I remember that you I remember when it was all consuming for you yeah it really was and I was yeah. well informed about everything I was reading blogs I was I was I was tracking the news this is the early days of um of high-speed internet so it was very easy to get information for the first time, and I was injudicious about which information I was consuming. And I, I, are you getting coffee there? Very good, very good. Can I audio? Here it is. Yeah. Very I'm good. Either getting coffee or something else is happening <laughs> off screen. <laughs> Something's always going on off screen. Um, you may have suffered pant loss. <laughs> um, Suffering pant loss. But the uh, the the Obama stuff, I just the the uh, the Obama hate is so over the top and irrational, and the fa the fact is that he is way more right wing than Bush was left wing. I mean, he's he's done all kinds of things that I utterly disapprove of. Oh yeah, right. And I'm, that I'm, I'm I'm predictably disappointed. Yeah, I, I have fatigue. Yeah, but he, but you know, I and ultimately I find him, g given this, you know, my standards for what I think a president should do for me. Yeah, uh, Obama is more than satisfactory, and uh, he got healthcare. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's a huge deal, and I know tons of people who have benefited from it. And by the way, every single one of them, every literally every person I've talked to, who's on the national. Healthcare now had zero problems signing up. That it was. I had no, we had easy. no problem. We had no problem signing up, and we would not have healthcare right now if not for Obamacare. I mean, some my my right wing brothers might say that uh, under a different administration, I might have a job. <laughs> of course, they'll say that, yeah. <laughs> and that's a fair point, a fair a fair <laughs> retort. Um, but I think even if if I had that, even if I had a job, I I don't think it would provide healthcare. Yeah, and you or, don't want a job. I, I'll take a job if anybody's got one. You, you'd be your you if anyone's got the right one though. It does have to be the right one. I'm thinking <laughs> about, about the uh, um, trying to get a job down at Pike Place Market, doing something, <laughs> anything. Just to, I think it'd be fun to just hop on the bus and say I'm going to work and go down to the Pike Place Market and do something down there. Sweep up fish. I don't know what they do. Um, <laughs> uh, 
tie together bundles of sausage. So you're talking about food related stuff. You're not talking about touristy stuff. You don't want to you don't want to sell t-shirts or sunglasses. You you want to be at the you would want to be in the market doing markety things. I want to sell t-shirts to sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much disposable income they have, but <laughs> gotta have some. Yeah. yeah. Went down to the market yesterday. We had a nice outing. We took the uh, um, uh, took the the bus. Good downtown. Went to the market. Got uh, by we. You mean you, Jill your wife, and, Oscar, and your son? The the trio, three of us. Good. Very good. Went down, got some uh, jalapeno cheesy bread from some bakery in the market. Mm, that sounds pretty good. Um, this is the first mention of food in this episode. Avoided a piroshkis. Usually we go down and we get piroshkis. Yeah. It was a great piroshki fender. Are piroshkis pierogies or are these yeah. different things? Same thing. Piroshki, pierogi, kanish, runza. It's all the same thing. All right. A filled pastry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But Piroshki Piroshki in the market is, is great. Um, but it was a little early in the day. Um, we walked through the market. There were, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's high season for peonies out here. And so there was, uh, you know, 100 feet of bundled peonies. For nice dollar each or so. My so wife is a very nice. big fan of the peonies. Big fan. I like the peony. It's a good. It's a good flower. I, have you ever investigated the peony? That sounds weird when I say it, but uh, I have not. You know how you know how so, it opens. Right? You have you ever seen like the the yeah. before it blooms? You know how it how it opens. Is there it a requires, strange mechanism? It requires ants. Really? Yeah. It requires the, the no application of, of ants. There's a kind of ant that lives near peonies, and maybe it's just any kind of ant. There's a sweetness or something, and the ants go and, and they sort of nibble off the um, uh, some of the, the rind of the, the flower, allowing it to, um, to blossom. It sort of explodes. It's um, funny. Th- uh, this is new information to me. This is fascinating. Um, I quickly Googled peonies ants and um the all the first few results are how to get ants off your peonies what are all these ants doing on my peonies got to keep them off america america (laughs) that your rottweilers on them america (laughs) (laughs) oh so this someone gives the right answer here in a Circa 1997 looking website. Do not try to get rid of the ants on your peonies. This is a natural and temporary activity. It is believed that peonies produce small amounts of nectar and other ant attractants to encourage ants to help in opening the dense double flower buds found in many peonies. The ants may be found covering certain varieties and avoiding others. This is totally normal. Once the buds have opened, the ants will disappear. Also normal. Yeah. Some people think that ants are required to open the flowers, but that does not appear to be true. I was in that category until just now. <laughs> uh, they were required. Also, I mean, where are you getting your information? 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Peonies.org is where I'm getting it. Is this a botanist? I, I've, a phlebotanist? I've no, I've, no, I have no idea. I have no idea. There's very little good. So the market was filled with peonies. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, go on. And bundles of bouquets of sweet pea flowers, which seems mm. difficult to present in a bouquet, but they had done so. Uh, very fragrant as well. Oh, yeah, those are pretty. Look at those. They smell very nice. Yeah, they can be bundled, roughly. Yeah. Roughly. And, and uh, how'd Oscar like it? Do you go, do you go often? Or I do it... go to the market quite a yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll often do, I'll take this trip with Oscar, get on the bus, which goes right by our house, and takes us straight downtown, go to the market, get a Proshki or a Turkish Delight or mm. something else. Or go to the Athenian or Lowell's, which are uh, restaurants in the market that look out over the water. that have been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then go down to either the art museum or down to the ferries and take a ferry out into the Puget Sound, uh, which if you do on foot is like $7 and is, uh, for a two-year-old, a world of entertainment. Yeah, I bet. To go sailing. Yeah. Daddy's giant ship. <laughs> That's right. Daddy's going to tell these men to take you on a boat ride. Mm-hmm. So we That's went to ship. after the market. We went down to the Seattle Art Museum, uh, poked around at the art, and then had. You're allowed uh, to poke the art in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> it's the West Coast. Poke the art. Art poking. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Had uh, had had a little <laughs> snack there. Had a little lunch at, at the at the museum. Some very small sandwiches. Yeah. Very small ham sandwiches. I, you so know what? I gotta say, I got a thing for museum food. You know you? where you know where I like to eat lunch at the <laughs> International Center for Photography <laughs> in New York. Yeah, they have I a good eat, lunch. I, I could eat anywhere in New York. It's, it's a good a nosh big at, the, city. at the photography place. There's, it's not that it's that great. It's fine. You know, it's it's you know, it's wrap sandwiches or maybe some, I don't know, chicken salad or something. Just it's just, but it's yeah. you're you're eating it in a museum, in artsy looking tables and chairs. There's art nearby, and you're eating some food. And I I eat at the Met too when we go there. I I I actually That's good. like. I like the to museum go to the of natural there. the natural history museum has a nice you can get a I, nice Caesar salad in there. <laughs> I don't think I've you, eaten there. You can eat under the whale. Is that true? I think <laughs> oh it's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. It's I, true. For a while you couldn't, but I think you can again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah so, I like museum uh, food. I like eating in a museum. Food. It's 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 not for us. It's for old people. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, it's, yeah. it's for old ladies. You're, I think we're old. Lady we like right? we like museum food because we are we're we're matronly. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been I've been talking on and off about my recent obsession with pens. Yes, I'm really into pens lately, and I recently discovered the um, the Esterbrook pens from the uh, most popular in the '40s, I believe. Um, they were inexpensive at the time, uh, right after the war. Uh, they were made of plastic, 
um, which was not uh, what most pens, you know, sort of fancy pens were made made of. They were affordable. But uh, in retrospect, these pens, the plastic they used, everything's made of plastic now, and the plastic these were made with was very sturdy, and they made them in very beautiful colors out of um, recycled plastic. And uh, there's a line of them in pastel colors, uh, and especially, and they come in compact sizes, the purse pen, the Estabrook purse pen, and I realized as I was poring over, you know, writing about and auctions of pastel Esterbrook fountain pens from the forties that these were for old ladies. And, <laughs> and I am an I am an old lady now. I'm an yeah. old lady. It's good. It it's is good. good. It really is. I think old ladies know how to live in the world. Yeah. Better than other people. It's a good taste. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they know how to be content. They know what they like. They know what they like. They know what they like. <laughs> and they like, like to eat in a museum. They like to eat in a museum. Feels good. Yeah. yeah. It's, the, the, it's expensive and the portions are small. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, also, there's a line. It takes a while to get nice, the table. Had a nice cookie. Yeah, nice cookie. All, all the the people at, at it's called Taste, I think, is the restaurant in uh, uh, CLR Museum, which I've never eaten at the restaurant. They have a, a little to go counter. I can get a, a sandwich and a coffee, and then sit down in the children's area, um, and Oscar can play with toys in the museum. Yeah. I like this. I like there being a children's area in a museum because then I can take my child to it. Right. Well, is it uh, how how uh, supervised does your child have to be in this area? Um, I have to supervise him. Okay. There's, there's no, there's rarely any other kids. Oh. In fact, there's hardly anybody at the museum. It's not a very really. Have I think not a very heavily um, attended museum. Um, from, I don't think. I don't. Maybe, maybe it meets its projections, but. You tend to have it pretty much to yourself, which is fine. Yeah, well, that's good. We used to love the um, Wegmans supermarket chain that's prominent in our area. The uh, there for a while, Ithaca was their flagship market, which meant it had all the fancy stuff that a lot of supermarkets have now. I think I think we went there with you. Yeah, sushi bar and yeah, bakery and various amenities. So. Um, but one of the amenities was and is uh, W Kids, which is a little play area supervised. Nice. So that when you go, when you went in, you could dump your kid at W Kids, and you can shop for as long as you like. And that was sort of the first uh, dates Rian and I took when our kids were toddlers was we you know we just leave them in w kids and just walk super slowly around wegmans i would like to do that i've not i've not seen that the only place i've seen that in my experience was i might i might just have not noticed it until i had a kid is the the uh, uh it's not called yeti and it's not called martians ikea that's the name. <laughs> names, my brain was suggesting were Yeti and Martians, but it's Ikea. No less likely than the actual name, which is Ikea. 
Okay. Ikea has a, a supervised area for kids that Oscar is not yet old enough to be deposited into. Yeah. To his great anger when yeah. we have to walk by it because he can see it. What does he have it's to got be lots three? of windows. I think you can be two and a half. I think you just have to be potty trained. Oh. So, is, so four. So four to ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm looking at the menu of the um, of the food court at the Museum of Natural History. And it's, you know, there's not much over 10 bucks. I'm actually quite surprised. Not bad. The things that, here are the things that are more than $10 at the Museum of Natural History food court. The T-Rex burger with fries. Doesn't tell you what that is. It's probably actually made of Tyrannosaurus Rex meat. That's why yeah. you pay a premium for it. The New York Reuben sandwich is 10.50. The uh, sushi nigiri combo is $11, as is the chicken Caesar salad. And that's it. Everything else is 10 or under. It's not bad. No. Sit under the whale, eat your $7.25 mac and cheese, and you're, uh, you know, with your $6.25 glass of wine. You're all set. It's echoey and drafty in there. But there's a whale. (laughs) You can hear it. You can hear it call. Uh, yeah. You know, when I worked at a museum, we had uh, a little restaurant in it that was uh, beyond what we could really afford as museum employees, but sometimes I'd go up and get a cookie mm-hmm. uh, at break. Uh, since I left, since it, uh, since after the storm, it, it has now become a fancy restaurant. Now it is a destination, oh. superseding perhaps um, art loving as an activity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you eaten at it? Uh, not not since it became. I think it's a Brennan's or uh, it's it's in one of the the the, the high end New Orleans restaurant tours. Um, I haven't. I haven't. I've been back to the museum since it opened, but I I haven't eaten there. My friends uh, Beth and Sarah, whom I am marrying to each other on Saturday. Oh, have a good time um, with that. Are moving to New Orleans in August. Really. Yeah, so if there are, at some point, if there are writery type people that you think that my friend Beth should know, Beth, my poet friend, as you know. Beth Rogers. Should, Beth Rogers. You should uh, you should provide them to her and or me to give to her. Because um, she's, <laughs> I think she's, she's going to be doing some teaching at, at Tulane. But, um, well, that's great. Well, we'll have a couple of, at least one Tulane friend who listens to the show pretty regularly, so... I'll warn him, TR, that uh, this information will be, this connection will be made at some point. Excellent. Post August. Excellent. I think I, I think she's she's eager to ingratiate herself with a community of writers. There's uh, a, there's an excellent community of writers there. Yeah, because her her wife will be a lawyer in all the time. <laughs> lawyer in. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, human rights type stuff, or uh, I'm not, I think she's just I think she's got a clerkship. She worked for Shell. Oh, good. No, I do, I do think she wants to do public service type stuff. There's a nice still... community of that as well, and there's a, a nice bit of crossover between the sort of human rights, uh, lawyer community and the, the writing community, particularly in true? the person in the person of Billy Southern. Oh. Who who is a fine writer, 
the Southern was spelled without the U. S O T H E E R N. Billy All Southern. Right. Um, good writer and a good person. So there is. There's lots of photos of him. Defense lawyer. And photos of him here on the internet, staring very seriously into the distance. He's looking at injustice. Oh, death penalty lawyer. Uh huh. Great. And what kind of writing does he do? Um, it's about. There's a book called. Uh, is it down in down in New Orleans or down and out in New Orleans? I think it's down in New Orleans. Uh, which, from the music lyric, would you say down in New Orleans? Um. Which is uh, sort of an account of the storm and uh, its injustices. Good. Well, he's done a lot of writing uh, for the nation, so I'm, I'm going to link to mm-hmm. his uh, page yeah. of articles there. Yeah, check out Billy Southern. Good writer. All right. Yeah. Um, we had been talking about something. What was it? I want to get back I to it. Museum food? We're rambling. We're rambling, my friend. Oh, yeah, we're talking about museum food. I think we're done with that. Are we? Yeah, I was just thinking, I was trying to think if there's any other outstanding museum food that I've had. Uh, and the answer is probably... Oh, well, the Smithsonian museums have a, a lot of fine. Some of the best stuff I ate in D.C. was at the American Indian Museum. Oh, really? Museum of the American Indian on the mall in, in the Smithsonian, um, which has a, a great uh, restaurant, with, which has uh, sort of five stations or more, each one representing sort of a different um, indigenous cuisine. Wow. Of the Americas. It's called the Mitsitam Cafe. Could be. Yes, it means let's eat in the native language of the Delaware and Piscataway peoples. Yeah. Oh, what uh, a band name that is, Piscataway peoples. Mm-hmm. With, uh, I think they're opening up for the Guantanamo detainees and the Mount Lake terrorists. Oh, God. Uh, this looks great. Look it is this. great. It is great. There's some of the best... But my last, it was my farewell meal to, to Washington D.C. when I was there for that for a year. Even though I felt like I was dying of strep throat, God. and and was just terribly uncomfortable, running a high fever, and nothing, everything tasted like paste. I still went there, forced myself there. For my last, last thing I ate in D.C. All right, let me t- here. Let me. This is this is amazing. You're right. So they and have not a very expensive. There's a series of menus, uh, five different um, five it's different cafeteria menus. style. The menus are um, Great Plains. This is amazing. Mesoamerica, Northwest Coast, yeah, South America, and Northern Woodlands. So just just choosing at random. Let's check the Mesoamerica. No, let's let's try the Great Plains because what do you eat in the Great Plains? This picture of a buffalo there. Bison. Main dishes. Indian taco, buffalo chili on fry bread with pickled chilies, lettuce, tomato, and shredded cheese. Burgers, campfire buffalo burger served with green chilies. House ground buffalo and duck burger with roasted pepper Dijonese, smoked tomatoes, and aged cheddar cheese. Elk, you can get an elk burger. God damn, this looks great. Yeah, it is great. Northwest coast, you get your salmon, of course. Bison loin. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't oh. like a good, a good bison hanger steak? So nice, and the vegetarian stuff. The sides are really affordable, and they look—they just sound delicious. 
fresh corn wafer, chilled corn souffle, marinated in blackberries. They have a nice uh, Mexican hot chocolate there. Great. So you can go around and get uh, different items from each of the stations and carry them all to a table to have a, a, a pan-native yeah. feast. Yeah, and it's a nice dining area. It's a great museum. It's one of my favorite, one of my very favorite museums, both because uh, both for its 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 exhibiting an educational mission is always surprising. Um, it's just a hell of a building, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was really nice on on a cold winter DC day. When you if you're in DC. And you're not really working. I mean, I was teaching a poetry workshop, but mostly just on a fellowship. Um, and I was there during the academic year, which is mostly the non-tourist time. Right. Like for, especially from, from Halloween to uh, Easter. During that period, I had the city to myself. You know, wow. there were no lines at any museums. Everything was empty. You know, it was I never had to wait for anything. It's it's a tourist town as well, much as you know. we're planning. If we're, we want to have, we want to do a family trip to D.C. with the four of us before either of the ch- kids moves out. So, and go between Thanksgiving and Easter. Okay. I mean, the rest of the also it's summer. It's too hot. Yeah. D.C. is a miserable place to to be in or visit during the summer. Um, the the crowds are too huge. Um, there's nothing really going on. Um, and it's it's terribly un, unpleasant and hot and, and more expensive uh, to, to go to DC in you know, January or February. Go, for example, when you know the House and Senate are in session, yeah. you can go in and see it. I want. You know, I, I spent a lot of. I, I went up nine or ten times to the Senate to watch the uh, um, the healthcare debates. I just go up with a notebook. You know, you have to go through about four layers of security, but you just, you still, it's not, you still walk in, you don't have to pay anything. That's great. Uh, and, uh, and I had it, I had that to myself. I mean, there's hardly anybody in the gallery. Um, that's a thing to see, regardless yeah. of your political interests or engagement. I mean, who gets to see that? Yeah, you know? yeah. I, that's what we want to do. We want to go to museums and we want to look at, we want to look at the government. Take a look at the government. Want to see the goddamn government? Yeah, yeah. Don't go in the summer because you'll see none of those things. All you'll see is 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 the this is your children sweating. (laughs) You'll see their clothes darkening from sweat. Owen doesn't sweat. Well, send him in the summer. He contains no moisture, but yeah, the rest of us sweat. More rest, more museum food. The uh, museum, the Air and Space Museum. Yeah. Um, I, I hope it still serves astronaut ice cream. This oh, has been a, we're going to find uh, out. A, uh, one of its delights. Let's see. Sort of a freeze dried ice cream. Yeah, for some reason, uh, it's it's a little bit difficult to find the uh, the cafes on some of these websites. It's it's almost as if the cafes are not a priority. <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna find it. We we gotta find what I gotta get. I gotta get the menu of the Air and Space Museum cafe. Food National Air and Space Museum. Oh, there's a lovely photo of people eating on a on a train, um, nice. which is neither the air or space. 
It's Maybe space. It's, could be a no. That's not an airplane. That Everything is space. Uh, the right place food court. Get that's a pun about the the Wright brothers. Yeah. But it's also if you're at the museum and you want to eat, that's the right place to do it. Yeah. It's the double meaning there. Right. The right place food court offers menu items from McDonald's, Boston Market, and Donato's Pizzeria. That's a shame. The cafe located upstairs offers coffee, pastries, and afforded uh, assorted food items. Nothing about astronaut ice cream nope. that I'm hearing. Nope. Well, I, it's not my favorite museum. No? No. I well, like the Air and Space Museum. You like the American Indian Museum, but um, is there something in particular that's off-putting about the Air and Space Museum? No, I'm just, I guess I'm more of a humanities guy. <laughs> See, I'm a humanities guy. Have we talked about this before? I'm often very impatient in museums. I think I, I'm natural. I naturally find it difficult to concentrate, and I'm easily distracted and, and impatient. So that goes without saying. But um, when I see someone, say, in an art museum, standing for a really long time in front of a painting, just kind of looking at it, I, there's a part of me that's just going, "Come on, yeah. come on, man." You, you looked at it. it. It's in your head yeah. now. Yeah, Move you on. Looked at it. Check. I want to look at it now. Yeah. You know, and then it starts to seem like a like a, a snobbish affectation. You know, oh, I'm looking at a painting. I'm really absorbing every detail. Look how long I've been examining this this painting. <laughs> how engaged I am. Every minute I, I stand faint. here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting sexier and sexier as I. But actually, the- I. I, th- I think that's just I'm I, I'm sure these people are in fact deriving great great pleasure from this. I just I walk super fast through a museum, and when yeah. I'm being asked to read things uh, printed on placards, forget about it. Very very uh, I'm not not open to that. Yeah, I think museums. I love I love museums. Uh, I like going like going frequently to the same one, so you can actually. Stuff can actually you can actually understand understand it. Yeah, but I do wish they they, they would let you know because I think they want you to know how expensive it is. <laughs> and since this is formerly the country called America, um, I think that 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 everyone would understand if that was included in the uh, in the wall text. Yeah, how much is wharf? <laughs> W O R F. Yeah. Which I believe is a Star Trek character. You're correct. Thank you. Um, yeah. My favorite bit in Ben Lerner's novel, Leaving the Atocha Station. Yeah. Uh, which has many excellent bits, is uh, in the first few paragraphs uh, talking about how. Because uh, the character's in Madrid, and he's spending a lot of time in museums, or supposed to be, but he mostly isn't. Yeah. Um, and how people claim to be changed by art. You know, like, this painting really meant a lot to me. This painting changed my life. Or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I was really astonished by the this painting or in the museum. And he says that he, he notices that the people say that, but he doesn't he doesn't notice much change in them. <laughs> they make the claim, but he doesn't see the difference. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, similarly, uh, seemed like the same jackass before you saw the painting <laughs> and after. I'm not kidding, a lot of. This painting has has given me a a, a much more positive view of myself <laughs> yeah. than I had before. Um, it reminds me of uh, another thing that Elisa Gabbert was kvetching about on on Twitter, which is that um, uh, people who describe a film or a book or other piece of dramatic art as moving, mm. as if it is possible to identify a, a, a category of, you know, of, uh, of expression that is universally evoking of emotion. Yeah. You know, and if it, and if it is, I mean, now I'm, I'm riffing on my own here. It's just not what she was saying, but if, if it is, uh, if it does universally create specific emotions, then maybe it's shallow. Hmm. You know that, like, if I've and I've always sort of, I was, I've always sort of winced at at that word. Moving. That film is very moving. I just really, ah, ah, shut up, because I am, I am, as you know, highly emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the things that evoke the most powerful emotions in me, you're a humanities person, are, <laughs> are unexpected. Yeah. I moved it. To, I moved at inconvenient times and by unexpected things, um, for reasons that are entirely personal. And I and I think really all strong emotion is entirely personal. So it's only personal. But how much it's, is it? It's worth? never business. It's never business. It's always personal. You <laughs> you prefer true complexities and contradictions to contrivances. Correct. Very good. Check. 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 We're solving problems. Another good uh, museum food. Yeah. Again, at the Smithsonian. There's the two, uh, there's the, what are the names of them? The two art museums that are right next to each other. The uh, Smithsonian Museum of Art. I don't know. It's not the American Art Museum, which is not on the mall. Um, well, the National Art Museum. But anyway, Smithsonian, food. Smithsonian Museum of Art. So there's what's, two what's museums the that, the, if you're on the wall looking at them, they seem like two separate buildings, but they're joined beneath by a, a, an underground plaza, um, oh. which is where the food is. Um, oh, okay. You can look up through some some trying some pyramidal um, skylights. Um, and uh, it's 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 uh, a good place for lunch. Good place for lunch. Let's see. I'm go- I'm going to the uh, the cafe of the Smithsonian American Art Museum. This is the one that it is not. No, but that, that also is. has that also has a nice. Uh, it's got the courtyard cafe. Nice place. The courtyard cafe at the American Art Museum is nice. Yeah, but it also has the folk art collection, um, which is one of the great things about DC, with the uh, the throne of the uh, um, throne of the seven heavens millennium. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I love that thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nations General Assembly. Yes. 
Yeah, so um, I'm looking here. I can't find the uh, I can't find the cafe you're talking about, but it looks like the National Zoo has some has some good dining options. Panda meat, the yeah. Panda Overlook, yeah, yeah, the Panini. If you get the Panda Panini, it's called the Pandini. Pandini, yeah, the great <laughs> the Pandini. Pandini, yeah. <laughs> oh, Panda Overlook also features a full barista. Featuring the Smithsonian bird-friendly coffee and freshly made smoothies. Okay, first of all, bird-friendly coffee. Didn't know that I needed that. Get some coffee for you and some coffee for your bird. That's right. Exp- explain. Unpack that, please, <laughs> restaurant. T- tell me more about the full barista. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. Is that correct usage? Isn't the barista... The, that's the, the person, man or, the man or woman who's making the coffee. Yeah, that's my I've, understanding. I've been that person. I mean, uh, I'm not that. I'm you know my my cosmopolitanness is is entirely pretense, so I don't know for sure if, what if most they, of these words mean. <laughs> if they had said features of full barista habitat, I I would have understood. It's a little apartment with some <laughs> some indie rock posters. Here's something I've noticed. Speaking of the indie rock. Okay. Uh, this particular turn, I've only noticed in the last six months, uh, and this is uh, a change from the term indie rock to American indie rock. Really? Yeah. It's a thing people are saying? As a category. Yeah. I think not just to, in, not just to differentiate it from Icelandic indie rock or, Canadian, I don't know. British indie rock, um, but it's, I think it's a move towards its enshrinement and an argument for its importance, you know, the putting of American before, although I've already told you that America is dead and we don't live in a country. <laughs> um, this movement from indie rock to American indie rock, giving it some cultural cachet that it didn't, that yeah. it, certainly most of it would resist. Uh, yeah, you haven't seen this. I haven't. No. Well, look for instances of it. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> American indie rock. Am I? Am do am I a member of an Amer- American indie rock band? I think Wicked Buffalo. Wicked Bison. <laughs> was that your? No, that was a. That was that, a, no. Wicked Bison was my my college band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was an American indie rock band. But the Starry Mountain Sweetheart Band is not an American indie rock band? Um, well, the, the terms, I think the term suggests a nostalgia, right? Art. Um, uh, so I think, I think it requires, no, I think, no, I think uh, American indie rock oh, okay. as a category requires that, that maybe the, uh, uh, the band is either no longer around or only uh, tours in place, full albums, which is uh, another form of death. Okay, okay. So of, of the complicated forms of death on Earth, one of them is a band playing an album from 20 years ago in its entirety. I, I have to agree. <laughs> I have to concur with that. That was the only thing that I did not like about seeing the Breeders at Bumbershoot. Um, I didn't want them to play that whole album in its entirety. First of all, the uh, the order of songs on an album has nothing to do with the proper order of songs at a concert. 
Right. Because especially a band where people change instruments, uh, it was incre- you know it was incredibly awkward. There were awkward pauses between every song because those songs aren't meant to be played live next to each other. Long playing records are not showmanship. No, they're not. Their virtuosity is not from showmanship. It's a different kind of art object. Yeah, and the Long Winters did the same thing. They had a reunion tour where they played their most famous album, which is not my favorite Long Winters album, and does not contain contains a couple of my favorite of their songs, but most not yeah. most of them. I've never heard a note. Yeah, well, uh, the and the Breeders, of course, uh, I like their later stuff better than their than the Last Splash stuff, and I wanted them to hear. I wanted to hear new things. I wanted to hear new songs by Kim Deal. You wanted to hear. Uh, musicians and songwriters um, operating from the top of their intelligence and form. Yes, I did. I did not want them you to You prefer re- your people revisit- alive. Yeah. Revisit your 20s in private. <laughs> it sounds funny when you say it. I mean it. I mean it to sound utterly disgusting. <laughs> this comes Very from good. someone who didn't have 20s. Hello. I went yeah. straight from 14 to 40. I've been 40 since I was 12. <laughs> I've been 14 since I was 14. I'm disturbed by Rian's dog attack. I am too. I, I am, I, 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 I'm wondering what it says about the non-country that is America. Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll keep you posted. Her condition is fine. She, she's recovering. Uh, and to give her some need... antibiotics or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She was she was flirting with not taking them, but I said you have you to. to do, you can get to do that. Fast acting blood infection. It's not as bad as a cat bite. Really? Cat bite is uh, cats carry a lot more nasty stuff. Yeah. Because cat cat mouths are dirtier. Dog mouths yeah. are fairly clean. But cats but are a little, is... cats are a lot less bitey. Right. And you wouldn't get a cat bite from the same sort of situation if you walk up to somebody's house. Looking for help for your father, <laughs> you're unlikely to be beset upon by beset by cats. No, you would not. You might be definitely. Not. It's unlikely though. Cat bites tend to be more intimate. You get bit by your own cat. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually you get love bit getting... by somebody. Somebody else's dog bites you, but your own cat bites you. Uh, I am fond. One of my favorite things about many things I love about cats is the affectionate non-skin piercing bite sometimes a cat will grab your hand and put his jaws around your finger and then kind of look up at you like i'm biting you i'm a lion i am a big powerful big powerful mountain cat and i'm biting your finger but if they actually puncture the skin you could lose that arm yeah yeah it's worth it it's worth it because it's so cute so it's worth the arm yeah cat love is worth arms i wasn't using that arm yeah, I'm not using my arms for much. <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this thing up. Now that we've now that we've destroyed our nation, now that we've sounded the death knell of America, we can end the podcast. I didn't die; I just ceased to exist. <laughs> oh, no, all right. <laughs> they never have existed in the first place. Shit, we've been living a lie. So true. Are you hungry for lunch? Well then let's have lunch Do you want some lunch? Well then we'll give you some lunch 
Take a look.